This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. Lawyers for Secretary of State Christy Jacobson were unable to provide any proof of the alleged identification forgery that stoked new voting restrictions passed by the state legislature last year and told the judge the legislature did not need any factual basis for its actions. At a hearing in Yellowstone County District Court on Monday, Secretary of State Christy Jacobson moved to dismiss the many claims that those new voting laws are unconstitutionally restrictive. Judge Michael Moses repeatedly asked Jacobson's lawyers to furnish the legislature's evidence that student IDs were more easily forged than driver's licenses or other forms of government ID. Quote, if you sit in this courtroom for a year, you'll see forgeries of all kinds of things, Moses said to John Simmons, an attorney representing Jacobson in the case. What was the proof that it was easier to cheat on a student ID than a driver's license? Simmons replied, the legislature's position is that they do not need to establish a factual record. Senate Bill 169 tightened voter ID requirements, making photo identification mandatory to vote in person and requiring student IDs be accompanied by a second form of identification. The bill was passed along party lines by Republican lawmakers. Democrats challenged the law in court, arguing no instances of voter fraud have emerged from previous elections with the use of student IDs. Among the four election laws passed by the 2021 legislature, House Bill 176, which ended Election Day voter registration, House Bill 530, which prohibits people from collecting and submitting other people's ballots if they receive any financial compensation for doing so, and House Bill 506, which prevents anyone turning 18 before Election Day from getting a ballot before their birthday. Three lawsuits filed against Jacobson last year challenging the four laws have since been consolidated into the case heard Monday in Moses Court. The plaintiffs include a coalition of Native American tribes, voting rights groups, and the state's Democratic Party. In April, Moses blocked all four laws from being implemented while the lawsuit played out, although the state Supreme Court restored two of them SB 169 and SB 176 the next month. Those are the bills, again, that eliminated Election Day registration and required more IDs for college students. In his back and forth with Simmons, Moses pointed repeatedly to a line in a recent Montana Supreme Court decision that struck down the legislature's attempt at allowing concealed carry of firearms on university campuses. The quote raised earlier in the hearing by plaintiff attorney Riley Summers Flanagan reads, quote, we must also consider that the Montana Constitution is a prohibition upon legislative power rather than a grant of power. Moses, in citing the quote, said the legislature, too, must abide by standards rather than legislating without guardrails. Moses did not rule Monday on Jacobson's motion to dismiss the plaintiff's claim, but took arguments under advisement. 
He did begin discussing with attorneys the arrangements for the upcoming trial in the case, which is set for August 15th. The White House Council on Environmental Quality on Tuesday released two reports arguing that removing dams on the lower Snake River may be needed to resolve salmon run difficulties and to restore those runs to historic levels, and that replacing the energy created by the dams is possible but will cost $11 billion to $19 billion. Quote, business as usual will not restore the salmon, said Brenda Mallory, chair of the council. The Columbia River system is the lifeblood of the Pacific Northwest. Many salmon runs continue to decline, which environmentalists blame on the dams, Mallory said, and her office is leading a multi-agency effort to restore abundant runs of salmon to the Columbia River Basin. A draft report by scientists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration found changes are needed to restore salmon, ranging from removal of one to four dams on the Lower Snake River to reintroduction of salmon to areas entirely blocked by the dams. A second report studied how power supplies could be replaced if the dams are breached. The issue has been controversial in the Northwest for over three decades. Court fights and political debates over the future of the four dams on the Snake River that environmentalists blame for the decline of Sabin and Steelhead have gone on for years. U.S. Representative Mike Simpson, the Republican from Colorado, kicked off the latest round of debate in 2021 when he released a plan saying it would cost $34 billion to remove and replace the dams. U.S. Senator Patty Murray and Washington Governor Jay Inslee also prepared a report. Their recommendations are due later this summer. Last month, Murray and Inslee announced that replacing the benefits provided by the dams on the Lower Snake River would cost $10.3 to $27.2 billion. The dams make the snake navigable up to Lewiston, Idaho, allowing barges to carry wheat and other crops. Eliminating the dams would require truck and rail transportation improvements to move those crops. In the late 1800s, up to 16 million salmon and steelhead returned to the Columbia River Basin every year to spawn. Over the next century and a half, overfishing whittled that number down. By the early 1950s, less than 130 Chinook were returning to the Snake River. An environmental group says plans for commercial logging of old-growth forest on federal lands have moved forward this year despite an executive order signed on Earth Day by President Joe Biden. The Climate Forest Coalition, a group of dozens of environmental organizations, including Environmental America, the National Resources Defense Council, and the Center for the Biological Diversity, and also the Sierra Club, prepared the report highlighting 10 logging projects. The projects collectively threatened 240,000 acres of old forest, according to the report. Biden announced an executive order on Earth Day in April to catalog old growth forests 
and to establish a federal strategy to protect them, a move the coalition called an important first step. But, quote, many of the old trees could be gone by the time the work is completed, according to the report. More than half the counties in Montana are facing high levels of potential impacts from COVID-19, according to the most recent update from the Department of Public Health and Human Services. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention calculate community levels as low, medium, or high based on new COVID-19 admissions, staffed COVID-19 beds, and new cases. That analysis places 35 of Montana's 56 counties at high level. In Montana, 56% of eligible population is considered fully vaccinated. 67% of the U.S. population is fully vaccinated. To date, 3,450 people have died from COVID-19. Cooler than normal winters that delayed snowmelt combined with heavy precipitation this spring, have temporarily decreased the drought severity and wildfire conditions in Montana, but experts say with warming temperatures, that temporary relief will fail. Experts told the Interim Water Policy Committee on Monday that despite the increased precipitation this year, Montana has been experiencing significant drought for more than two years, and this year's rain will not be enough to make up for the drought deficit of past years. Based on analysis of soil moisture and groundwater deficits from the Montana Bureau of Mines and Geology, conditions could worsen in Montana because it has been dry for so long. Secretary of the Interior Deb Haaland says engineers will account for climate change as they design replacement highways along the rivers in and to Yellowstone National Park. Hayland was joined by Superintendent Cam Shalley. He said temporary roads serving two northern entrances to Yellowstone through Gardner and Cook City, Montana, would be constructed and paved, but not until fall. Their permanent replacement could take three to five years to complete, Machali said, but you can imagine it's going to be expensive. Engineers are looking to realign roads that the rivers ripped asunder, Kali said, quote, so we don't have another flood in two years that takes out some other sections. Park officials opened the southern part of Yellowstone Park due on June 22nd with visitor limits. They suspended those restrictions when they opened the park's northern loop on July 2nd. With two of the five entrances mostly closed, visitation is down 30 to 40 percent from pre-pandemic levels, Shalley said. Quote, I don't know if it will ever get back to normal. Park roads are 93 percent open, and Yellowstone has $60 million in emergency funds to reestablish the temporary corridors between the two Montana communities and Mammoth this fall. We're going to do that just before winter, Shalley said, with two lanes to Gardner paved sometime around October, maybe sooner. Montana State Representative Brad Sheeta said in an email to legislators on Monday that a woman's uterus, quote, serves no specific purpose to her life or well-being.
In an email first reported by KTVH and obtained by the Daily Montanan, the Missoula Republican and former Montana State House Majority Leader said, quote, The womb is the only organ in a woman's body that serves no specific purpose to her life or well-being. It is truly a sanctuary. Tashida told the Daily Montanan that if there were a special session on the topic of abortion, he would participate wholeheartedly, but says he wasn't hopping on the bandwagon to advocate it. The Biden administration reminded doctors and other health care providers Monday that a federal law protects them if they provide abortion services to save a patient's life or health in emergency situations, regardless of what state law says. U.S. Health and Services Secretary Xavier Macera wrote in a letter that the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act protects health care providers who determine their patients need a stabilizing treatment to address a range of diagnoses. Those could include ectopic pregnancy or other pregnancies that have lost complications. Under the law, no matter where you live, quote, women have the right to emergency care, including abortion care, Pekara said in a written statement. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide, with listeners in 46 U.S. states and Canadian provinces in 24 countries on six continents. We also post our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH, 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn Mountains Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, ResCast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.